I believe God wants to move in people's hearts and minds. Jesus is, Jesus is standing at the tomb of Lazarus. And surrounding him are people that are mourning because Lazarus has died. I'll let you sit down in a little bit. Hang on. No, no, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I, in a little bit, I said, hold, hold tight, hold tight, hold tight. Lazarus has died and people are mourning and Jesus is moved with compassion. It says that the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And he calls forth Lazarus. And they go, wow, this is crazy. Like, move the stone, he says. And they go, well, Mary goes, it's going to stink. He says, move the stone. He says, Lazarus, come out. And that which was dead comes alive. The old Lazarus, and now we see the new Lazarus. But the interesting thing is, Lazarus comes out fully alive, but fully wrapped in grave clothes. And I believe today, some of you have experienced the transformation of God. You've experienced life in Him, but the seasons that have gone have got you wrapped in grave clothes, conformed to your old life and not fully living into what God has called you for now. And Jesus says to those that are surrounding him, he says, take the clothes off. Take, remove the gray clothes. He had it wrapped around his feet, around his arms, and around his head. He said, remove them. Because new life doesn't belong with gray clothes. And today we're going to talk about transformation. But before we do, I'm saying at the end of this meeting, we're going to pray for some people. And there's two groups of people that I want to pray for. Those that feel wrapped in their grave clothes, in seasons past, in conformed to patterns that have held them bound, that have held them caught up, mindsets that have just not letting them shift into what God has called them into. But then the other group of people, like Jesus said, set them free. Some of you have been set free and God's calling you forth now to step into the ministry that God has for you, into the purpose that God has for you. And after this message, we're going to open this altar and we're going to not just, I'm just not going to get the team to minister to you, but we're going to minister to each other. Is that a good idea? Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, have your way in this meeting. Speak to our hearts change our mindsets, help us not conform to the patterns that we've been stuck in, but live free in transformation in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you give the creative team an incredible hand? You'll be up real soon. Thank you. You may take your seats. They say. Very, very cool. Hey, I want to just let you know, like, you're the real deal. You've got into a vehicle and got over bridges where the water's that far under, you've, a bit of rain doesn't hurt, come on, eh? I think we, we get a little bit nervous about rain and there's people that should be nervous about rain who've experienced devastation through their homes and we pray and believe God to the comfort and the support of the community in those circumstances. But you're the real deal, you've, you've come, you've gathered, you've prioritised this for this moment to be in the house together and there's something powerful when we gather together. And um, coming up on Wednesday, the 25th of May, in the evening in our Brisbane campus is what we call our heart and soul night. And this is for people like you. This is for people that say, you know what? 
I don't want to just exist in life. I want to make a difference. I want to join with what God is doing in this planet to minister the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of hope into our community, into the lives of the people around me. I want to roll up my sleeves. I want to be a part of it. This night is for you. And we want to remove every barrier that may stop you from getting there. If transport is an issue, we're going to be running buses. If food's an issue, we're going to be hosting dinner beforehand. And we're going to, I, I'm believing that we'll have a great turnout of people from Logan all heading down the highway to show the rest of Hope Centre, which is the best campus. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to make it a competition. So I'm inviting you to come and join us. What we'd love for you to do, if you'd like to be there, I'd love you to register. If you want to be on the bus, register for that. If you want to have dinner beforehand from 6 through to 7, register for that and then be there for the night 7 through to probably about 8.30. It's going to be an incredible night. All campuses all joining together in Hope Centre Brisbane campus to hear the vision and how you can be a part of what the next season in God looks like. Uh, also, it, it will form part of our AGM. That sounds boring, but I can assure you it's not. It's literally a report of all the good things that God is doing in and through you. So that's coming up, which is incredible. You, did you know that the Hope Center vision is this? It says, we exist to bring the message of Jesus in a way that transforms. Say the word transforms. Transforms people and cities. We bring the message of Jesus, the message of good news, the one that Jesus not only spoke of, but showed, demonstrated in and through his life. The message that saw sick people healed, those that were excluded, included. The message that even though your sins have held you down, my forgiveness will lift you up. Those, that message of salvation that is in him, restoration, but more importantly, a message of transformation. And, it, and it's what we've, we've, we've received transformation and now we have the opportunity to minister transformation, to, to take what we've received and freely give. It's a message that transforms life. This is not, what we talk of is not a behavior management plan. I want you to hear that. This is not a behavior management plan. This is a transformation message. Bible says, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. God doesn't conform or, or mold our old. He transforms it into new. And then as we are transformed, we become like Jesus and we walk out his purposes here on earth. Um, I've been going on a journey with our kids. We've got this kaffir lime tree out the front in my little herb potted garden. And we've been observing this butterfly surrounding this tree. And for a long while, there was these caterpillars on the tree, which I thought were just pests. And so every time I saw one, <laughs> until I saw the butterfly, this incredibly large, beautiful butterfly, and I had to an arrest of my conscience, and decided, you know what, I can share a few kaffir lime leaves with these caterpillars. And so we watched it go from this small little caterpillar to this large caterpillar, wondering when the process of transformation would occur. And then soon enough, the ones that survived the bird attacks, they made themselves a cocoon, and the miraculous started to occur. 
biology talks of it from the original Greek as metamorphosis. The, a transformation. This is not the, the, the pupa, the cocoon didn't conform the caterpillar into a butterfly. What actually happened is through the DNA process in the initial caterpillar, there was a transformation, a metamorphosis into this beautiful butterfly. And that's what's spoken of when we talk transformation in our lives. We are taken from old to new, we're taken from dead to life. This is not some conforming into a pattern of behavior. This is a true transformation. I've received it. You've received it now. That's why we exist, to share the message of hope to each and everyone that we come into contact with. Nothing, nothing makes you come more alive when you've experienced transformation and by your story, others experience transformation. Can, can you dream with me? that our message would transform our city, that the, the message of Jesus would see transformation in that place. I tell you what, it's time to break off the funkiness of seasons past, to, to strip the grave clothes that are holding us in. It's, it's not about doing more stuff necessarily, but it's more about responding to the love that God has directed towards us, allowing our lives to be fully transformed. I mean, when we, when we do that, we cannot help but help others around us. We can't but help love others around us. We can't but help minister to others around us. We can't but help include and welcome others around us. We're transformed to life and partnering with God in His plan for the planet. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write the title of this message, Transformed to Life. Transformed to Life. And if you've got your Bibles, whether on your iPad, your phone, or you've still got a good old Bible in paper form, turn with me to Romans 12, chapter, verses 1 to 2. We're just going to stay here for today. The Apostle Paul's writing, he says this, and it'll be on the screen for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. On Monday evening, I came home from Bible college. I was lecturing there. And my young daughter, Audrey, was, had been unwell for the last 24 hours or so. And we could hear her struggling uh, in her cot as she tried to fall asleep. And I went and I picked her up. And as I held her, I could feel her heart beating fast and her breath being shallow. And it raised our concern. So we decided at 12 o'clock that night to get her into emergency at the, the Logan Hospital, who were incredibly kind to us. And there she stayed for the next four days as she was treated for a respiratory virus. And for those that knew, I want to say thank you for your prayers and your concerns. It wasn't something that we broadcast widely. But it's incredible when you see your child in pain, how you recognize the level of compassion that you have for them. There's something that is a little bit difficult to try and articulate, to try and put words on that what you feel 
for them. But it's something that it's something that's deep inside. I mean, I, you try to describe it, and you use you use sayings like "my my heart breaks," for them, "my soul hurts," even though you know that your heart's not physically broken, and your soul can your soul hurt? But we try and grapple around language to try and put words around what we feel from deep, deep within. That deep response, it, it does something in you. It, it moves you to act. I, I, I've got to fix this situation. I've got to do something with what I feel. This depth of compassion in me drives me to make a difference, to do whatever it takes to make a wrong right, to make someone whole. And before we read Romans 12, if you read the context of Romans 11, Paul's actually articulating the level of depth of compassion that God has for his people. You see, when, when Jesus came, the Jewish people thought Jesus the Messiah had just come for them. And they were grateful that that's what he had done, that salvation was just for the Jews. But in chapter 11, leading to what we read this morning, God's actually outlining through the Apostle Paul that, that God's compassion isn't just for one particular group of people, but it's for the whole world, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God's compassion is for each and every one of us, for Jew and Gentile, for young and old, for male, for female, every person, the whole world, all people, God's compassion. And it's not just love. We, we, we have so watered down the word love, but I want to speak to you about God's compassion for you because compassion is, is where transformation starts to, to begin. I mean, God's mercy is for everyone. There's, there's clues right from the start when God promised Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him. You see it in Jesus as he ministers to the Samaritan woman, those that were outcasts from the Jews, as he ministers to the Roman centurion, as he ministers to the Canaanite woman. All of a sudden, you start to see a picture of God's compassion, not just for a, a special group, but for all people. And like we heard this morning, if you've ever questioned God's compassion for you, let that be an encouragement that God's compassion is towards you. And it's a, it's a deep compassion, like the compassion I felt for my daughter that night in those days is the same level of compassion that God feels for you. And he, he, he's moved to act. Right from the start when we're in sin and brokenness, the plan was in place. Jesus was slain for the world before the foundations of the world. This is our God to do whatever it can, he can to make it right. And it's in view of that that we now read. Transformation begins with God's compassion for you. I'm going to pop that on the screen so that you can remember that. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. That, that word mercy translated is translated from the Greek word oiktomos. And it encompasses words like mercy. It encompasses words like pity, which in the English language, we tend to give that a negative connotation. But this word is anything but negative. 
It, we, we see the word favor, grace, but the one I want to focus on is compassion. This word in view of God's compassion for you. It, it's a picture of visceral compassion. Visceral meaning your internal organs. It's a compassion that's deep inside. It has a, it has a sister word that you see throughout the Gospels. And I'm going to have to read this one because it's a long one. Splenchnidzomahi. Did you like that? And it's a compassion from the deep inner parts. Your, your splencher. Your inwards. The, the depths of your bowels. And no, I'm not meaning that night after a bad curry type of bowels. But uh, the, the, the deep inward parts of you. That's where this compassion is felt. And because it's so hard to articulate the, even the Greek language, the English language, there's many words to try and build a picture around what this means. But it's a deep-seated compassion. You see this in Jesus, who reflects our Father in heaven. I mean, throughout the Gospels, there's, there's incredible moments where uh, Jesus would be and the people would start to gather around him. The sick would come going, God, I need to be healed. The, the lonely, I need to be part of community. Those that were struggling under oppression, you know, I need to be free. And, and people just wanted to, they, they wanted to hear the truth. And so they gather around Jesus and Jesus would see them. And the Bible says, and he was moved with compassion. And that word is what we spoke of there, deep compassion. A compassion that says, I've got to act. I've got to do something. You see, this is where transformation begins. It begins with God, not with us, with God. And it's God's compassion towards us. He's standing over Jerusalem looking at the, 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 the state of the nation, the state of that city. And again, he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I have longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks trying to articulate what is happening on the inside. And it's in view of that type of love, that type of compassion, that Paul writes today, can I encourage you, let this love open up the way to life for you. Let, let this love open up the, the wide, expansive promises that God has placed over your life, both here and now and into our eternity. Let, let this love open up the way that leads to transformation. Transformation begins with the God's compassion for you. With God's compassion for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of that love, in view of that compassion, this is what we do to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Once we've experienced God's compassion, there's a response that's required. And Paul writes it here, the posture of transformation is surrender. I'm going to say it again. The posture of transformation is surrender. It's that, it's that space that says, God, have all of me. Here I am, and I give you it all. I lay down my life. A living sacrifice is the way that Paul writes it. Now, we haven't been in the custom of sacrificing animals of late. 
But to the people that Paul was talking to, they were very accustomed to the sacrifice of animals. And Paul's saying, let your life not be a sacrifice to death, but lay down your life like an animal is laid down to be sacrificed. Give everything. The animal is all in. And God says to us, through the Apostle Paul, that's the response to his compassion for our lives. All in. Not, you can have this part, God, but I'm going to keep this part to myself. It's not just a one-time thing either. It's not just a, I'll give you my life at the point of salvation. Jesus actually put it this way. Daily, pick up your cross and follow me. Posture of transformation is surrender. We don't like to surrender because we want control. I want to be in control. I want to be controlling of this situation. I want to be controlling of this situation. I want to be controlling of this situation. But the posture of transformation is full surrender. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture that says, I don't know all there is to know about God. It's a posture that says, I don't know all there is to know about me. I don't know all there is to know about life. I am dependent on Him. It's a posture of trust. This is the posture of transformation. If you want to experience your old life transformed to new, this is the posture that we must take. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know it well. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. You don't know all there is to know. But when you realize you don't know all there is to know, it's the best place to start because all of a sudden you say, God, I'm dependent on you. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Here I am. I surrender all of me to you. And when you find yourself in that position, all of a sudden transformation can start to take place. And that is the pathway to the life that God promises. That's the pathway to the abundant life that Jesus promised. Uh, I like the rock band U2. I like U2, but I like the rock band U2. And they're well known for grappling with the concept of the Christian faith. And in one of their songs, they, 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 they bring an artistic words around this very concept. That if we want to experience the abundant life that God has promised in and through His Son, Jesus, there's a posture that we must assume. It says this, if you want to touch the sky, you better learn how to kneel. If you want to experience kingdom life, then the posture is on your knees. It's upside down to what the world would try and tell you. When the world would try and say, no, climb that ladder, push down people beside you so that you can get higher. No, continue to reach for the stars on your own. Do whatever it takes to get there, regardless of how you treat others. God says, no, no, no. The posture is humility. I oppose the proud, but I lift up the humble. There's a posture to a transformation and it's surrender. It's surrender. Come to me again with, in that verse, verse 2, Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Metamorphosis. 
caterpillar and a butterfly. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can I declare over you, conformity is not for you. Conformity is not for you. Now, you've been looking at these Fredo frogs, haven't you? Have you heard anything I've said already? Some of you are just going, he's got chocolate. And you're hoping to get lucky today. Well, I'm glad that opened easily. I had, a, I had a moment where I thought, you know what? I could embarrass myself seriously if I try and open this. Oh, geez, they're small, aren't they? Cadbury's is getting cheap. Now, there's many forms of chocolate, many types of chocolate. But this chocolate is beautiful. It reminds me of my childhood. But you can see that it, it takes on a very particular form of a Freddo frog. That's because the original chocolate, which would have been in a more thick liquid type form, has been pressed into a mold that represents a Freddo frog. And in the pressing of that mold, the chocolate is now reflective of the mold that it was in. Hang on. Mm, that tastes pretty good. Can you can you go and just satisfy a few hungry people there? Oh, he's winning the affections with chocolate. Yeah, that's right. Lisa, can you do the same? Don't be offended if you don't get one. Be transformed into grace. <clears throat> but if you hold one of those chocolates or you've seen the chocolate that I ate on stage, Coles is going to get a visit. This afternoon, everyone's like, oh, I need chocolate. I need Fredo frogs. Oh, people are waving. This is cool. When you see a chocolate pressed into a mold, I want you to remind yourself that it, the chocolate didn't have a choice. You do. You do. There are situations, there are patterns, there are ways that this world presents us which tries to mold us into a particular way that is not the kingdom of God. It tries, to, it tries to press us and squeeze us into grave clothes, into places that lead to death and destruction, that lead to brokenness and hurt. And we were never designed for that. Now, we laugh at about a chocolate in a mold because it's nice. But there's no laughing matter to be, as in our life, be conformed to a pattern that leads to death when God, through His Son, Jesus, has opened the way that leads to life. And Paul says it this way, don't conform. He doesn't ask you nicely. He doesn't put it in a way that is, is woke. He just, don't do it. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't surrender to this age. We think we have difficulty surrendering to God, but we surrender to the patterns of this world each and every day. It's not whether you surrender to surrender to God is difficult it's whether or not you're going to choose to surrender to this world and there's a de definitive choice that we have and God's compassion leads us he goes no I've chosen you choose me I've said follow me this is what God encourages us and supports us and desires us to do conformity is not for you Paul says be transformed by the renewing of your mind because the patterns of this world 
surround themselves with the concepts of thoughts, with beliefs, with systems, with cultures that try and conform us into a way that is anything but God. But God says, no, I want you to surrender and align the way you think with the way that God thinks. I want you to surrender and align the way that I see about and believe about you. I want you to align the way that I promised you and how I lead you. Can I, can I give you a few examples? I wonder if the worship team could come and join me because we're going to get ready to minister and pray. The concept of forgiveness. We spoke of this earlier in the year. God actually, through his son Jesus, showed us what forgiveness looks like. He said, you were deserving of death through sin, but I forgave you. I've forgiven you now. Kingdom way is to forgive others. Those that have hurt you, those that have wronged you, is to step into a place of forgiveness. It's to actually say, no, I forgive you and release the brokenness and the hurt that you've experienced. You're not giving away the justice of the situation. You're just putting that justice in the hands of God and not carrying it for yourself. That's why Paul writes in, in Colossians 3.13, says, bear with one another, forgive one another. If you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But the world would try and conform you into a pattern that if you've been hurt, you cancel that person. If they've done something wrong, you cancel that person. You don't give them any sense of a second chance. You wipe them from your social media feed. You try and destroy their life. You, you carry bitterness towards that person. You carry anger towards that person. But all that does is leads you on a pathway towards death while the other person doesn't even know that they've offended you. But we get conformed into this pattern thinking that's the way we should do it because I need justice. But in the end, it's like what the, the wise person once said, for unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And God says, no, there's a better way to live and it's surrender to me and forgive others as I've forgiven you. It doesn't mean be a doormat for abuse. Put boundaries of love in place and all the rest of it. But don't hold and harbour the bitterness in your soul. Release it to God. Forgive others. Leads to life. What about the sense of your finances? I mean, if you read the news at the moment, things are bad. Well, we're told they're bad. Interest rates are going up. Petrol's going up. If you haven't got petrol today, grab it on the, the way because it's dear on the other side of the highway. Everything in the world is trying to conform us to a pattern of you've just got to look after me, myself, and I. You've got to hold on to what you've got. You've got to be stingy. You've got to hold back. You've got to withhold. You know, just look after yourself. Go into self-maintained management mode. But God's way says that those who reap sparing, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, but those who sow generously will reap generously. See, God said, don't be conformed to a pattern of stinginess, but instead be transformed to a pattern of generosity. Trust me as your provider and see what I will do. Because if you don't live that way, then the option stops with you. You're the only source of your income. Whereas you open your life up to God, the options are endless in the way that He can bless you. And these are the patterns that the world will try. And I could, I could go on, I could talk to you about relationships, about sex, about your identity. Conformity is not you. You know the pattern of this world is self-focused. 
But God's kingdom, it's others focused. It's saying, you know what? I've got a message that transforms. Can I share it with you? I wonder if you'd stand with me. The seasons we walk through, you know, when, when we give our heart to Jesus and we surrender all, there's this moment of salvation and then there's this journey of, the Bible scholars call it sanctification and moving forward. But we walk through seasons and some seasons we go through, we, we've lived a transformed life, we've experienced salvation, but then what we do is we pick up grave clothes in seasons, seasons of hurt and disappointment, seasons of difficulty. We just walked through one of the incredible seasons. I hate talking about COVID. But I'd be amiss not to point out that within the last season that we've walked through, we were told to isolate for our safety, which was important. But now some of us are wearing the grave clothes of isolation. And we're not not allowing people into our lives anymore. We've closed our homes from engagement. And we live behind a screen rather than person to person where we can experience the life-giving flow. God said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. But why have you conformed to a pattern of isolation? Because we've walked through a season that, and some of you got that grave clothes that you just need to say, you know what, today, it's off. For some of us, the, 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 the difficulty... And the unexpectedness of society and of this season, the uncertainty that we experience. How many of you have made plans and those plans to be cancelled because someone's got COVID, because we're in lockdown, we're in other situations. And so we start playing it safe because I don't want to be disappointed anymore. So I'm not going to plan that. I'm not going to take that risk. I'm not going to follow that dream because last time I did it, I was disappointed because the season stop me from achieving that and what we've done is we've shrunk back now where we don't dream anymore we don't step out in faith anymore we've conformed to a pattern of this world and God's saying no drop the grave clothes I've got something better for you start to take a step of faith into what God has for you conformity is not you transformation is transformation is So Jesus, he says, Lazarus, come out. Come out. Come alive. Transform. Hey, take his great clothes off. They don't belong with transformation. And those things, as I'm speaking, people are going, you know what? I feel like I've got stuck and conformed into a way of thinking. We soak ourselves and saturate ourselves in media and social media and opinion and pop culture and the like. And we find ourselves slowly being patterned into that way. And today I'm saying, no, 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 no. Find yourself on your knees again in front of Jesus. He's standing in front of you. His compassion is deep. It's visceral. It's saying, follow me. And so I'm going to ask Karen this morning. I'm actually going to lead in prayer. I'm going to ask Karen to lead us in a song and worship. And as we do, I just want to open up this space. Maybe you just feel stuck and you go, you know what? I need someone to help remove the grave clothes. And people are going to come around and support you. It's going to pray over you, pray with you and say, you know what? It's time to be free. Some of you have been set free and on your hearts is to minister 
can I encourage you, if you're a life group leader, if you serve in our teams, I want to encourage you to come and stand beside people who are needing help and minister to them. For the rest of us, why don't we set an atmosphere of faith where transformation can occur? Come on, why don't we sing together? If you need prayer, I encourage you to come forward. We want to pray with you.